0: And certainly our missionary background um, challenges this very strongly because we actually are seeking to cross cultures for the sake of the gospel. And um, and so have to work against that and actually see that I, I'm working out in the church anyway, um, through history, that it, it crosses cultures and language barriers, cultural barriers, socioeconomic barriers. Um, age barriers. So all those sorts of things. Um, Yeah, I I think generally speaking, it's, it's a fairly typical way in which people tend to coalesce and group together in like groups. But I think the gospel actually challenges us to break down that.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Shock Absorber podcast and it is a slightly different one today. Uh, My name of course is Joel and I am the usual co-host of the Shock Absorber podcast but with me today I have two new co-hosts because unfortunately Stu is not here today. He had to go for a COVID test Um, but I do have two other pastors from Soul Revolver Church who are Joy McMorty. Hello. Say hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Yeah good. Thank you. And Paul Tate. How are you today? I'm well thank you. Excellent. Uh, Hello to everybody out there. Yes hello everyone. Uh, We are of course as I said last week, coming in through your ears and also through your eyeballs, if you are watching us on YouTube.
2: Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, lately, we've been in this season, we've been um, going through the history of Soul Revival Church and when we began back at the, really at the end of 2011 and starting in 2012. Um, last week also, Joy, we talked about Woolaware, which is kind mm. of, you came on board to start planning Woolaware as our is, yeah. first uh, off-site Uh, Campus, Um, So we are traveling through the history of Soul Revival Mm. and you guys are part of that uh, history of Soul Revival, even as a little bit more recent. Um, But I thought it'd be worth, before we get into the church history, you get into your history. So, Joy, do you want to lead us off? I thought I'd ask you, uh, how did you first become a Christian and then what led you to become a pastor?
2: Mm, Good questions. Uh, (laughs) So I became a Christian sort of late teens, so I would have been sort of 19 Uh, I was actually a non-Christian family, so Jesus and and sort of church were not something that were on on my radar. I had a lot of friends through high school who invited me along to come to Solis Youth Group. And uh, in the way that I used to talk back then, I used to tell them what I thought about going to church and youth group and things like that.
1: What's the... the, um broadcastable version uh, of that, I, what would you oh say?
2: I basically, i tell them where they, they, they could shove it. Okay. So that kind of <laughs> idea, uh, but with more colourful language, really. Yep. Um, and, uh, the, you know, weekends were, were more about sport and drinking and those sorts of things, really, uh, for me. And I just happened, it was during soccer season, it was in April, I think, uh, of 97, um, of if I remember rightly. Right. And uh, our soccer team that I was playing for was sponsored by uh, Guy Me Pub, we'd been up there. I was filling in for another team the next day and so therefore wasn't drinking on one of those rare occasions and I had to walk past uh, Guy Anglican Church on my way home which is where Solis were doing a big youth night and uh, some of my friends from school were walking in and invited me in and I couldn't think of an excuse not to go in <laughs> and so went in and and started getting, uh, you know sat through uh, some craziness and then heard Stu actually uh speak about uh how much uh god loves us that he sent his son jesus to die for us and how he actually you know this this god who loved me so much to give up his only son where i was at at that moment and still even today it was just such a big thing to hear that someone loved me that much Mm. and that just made such a big difference and from there uh, i became christian with Stu, and that night I became a Christian, I felt like I could run around the block. I was just like, I don't know what it was. I was full of energy and I just wanted to run. I didn't know how else to express my joy and what I'd done and and, uh, and what God had done in me through his son Jesus. So, yeah, it was really exciting. And uh, and I would like to think that I, I probably slowed down physically, but spiritually I feel <laughs> hopefully I'm still running just as hard yeah. as I did then.
1: Well, as I shared with Stu last week that you were obviously, you were not obviously, but you were... Um, a youth leader and you were my youth leader. Yeah. So I think we met, I think I first met you when I was in year 9, So we've known each other for a long time. Mm. And then being part of the ministry at Guy Mir, and then having to, um, you went out from there and went to Helensburg Anglican and then narrow Anglican. Yeah. But I thought just go back a little bit. What led you to decide you wanted to be a pastor?
2: Uh, it was funny because I actually went to Bible college part time while I worked for, People like yourself, you know, the guys I was leading youth group, I, I realised that I hadn't grown up in the church. I hadn't been a Christian for particularly all that long before I started youth leading. And I felt like I needed to know more about the Bible. Uh, and I wanted to supercharge that and do that as quickly as I could. And so uh, Matt Reb and I, we went to Bible college and started doing that. And really all it was was me trying to know the Bible more so I could lead people like yourself uh, the kids i was leading youth group to lead them better and to be able to help them know the bible better right. and it was just through that, uh, that i then had um, you know the generosity of of one of the people at church at the time actually paid for me to go to college because wow, i couldn't awesome. afford to do it and he said you know i i'm not that's not where i'm at that's not where i'm heading but i've you know god has blessed me with uh, some money extra money to and i want to support people like yourself to go to college so that was Super awesome because I wouldn't have been able to do it. And then had some other people uh, slowly uh, over time say, hey, you should really kind of think about maybe going into full-time ministry. And it was only then that I started thinking about, oh, is this where I'm meant to be? But I don't think I would have thought about that if I hadn't had a couple of sort of the older members of our church encourage me to do that. So I only got into it because, yeah, some older members of our church saw uh got at work in me through college and through ministries and things like that and thought you know maybe, maybe he might have a have something to, about being a pastor maybe he might be able to be decent or something so yeah. hopefully you know <laughs> i'm half decent enough and
1: you are and uh and yeah
2: so that's yeah you know, i kind of fell into it in a way i wasn't go looking for it but yeah.
1: Well, sometimes the way that you talk about yourself is that you are you're quite humble, and I think I have learned a lot about Jesus through your actions and how you've led us. Um, I was going to say you obviously went out from Guymer when you had, um, uh, had to go. I think you went to Helensburg, sorry, and Nara. What's yep. the what did you learn in that time of your ministry? What was the like the biggest thing that you learned before um, you before you actually um, came to Saw Revival Church?
2: Yeah, uh, I think I learned from, uh, I, I from some very good uh, senior ministers at both of those churches uh, who I consider good friends and great uh, role models. Uh, but I think I, the thing I learned from all of them is how in the face of whatever we are going through, uh, trusting in Jesus through the good and through the bad uh, is for, the, for long-term ministry, if you're not doing that, then you know, you're really kind of just going on your own strength. And so all those guys really encouraged me to just really be, uh, you know, working on my relationship with Jesus. Mm. And so, yeah, so I think that's the big thing that I've learned, just how important that relationship is with Jesus in, in any ministry. Um, but yeah. yeah, so yeah.
1: Cool. Uh, Paul, sorry to keep mm-hmm. you waiting. Let's okay. let's, let's move That's over good. to you. Yeah, it was great. A, great listening. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it was actually wasn't it? Um, oh, I'm looking forward to hearing some of your yeah, stories. Yeah, you exactly. Because well. we probably haven't known you for as long. Uh, we shared how um, Joy and I knew each other for a long time, Paul. Mm. Um, but I, know, I think you've had quite a storied ministry journey as well. Do you want to um, start us off with how you became a Christian and then how you got into ministry?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I, I had the privilege of growing up in a, a church-going family, um, so. As young as I can remember, I can remember going to Sunday school and hearing about Jesus and that sort of thing. But it was in the teenage years where the pennies started to drop. Um, In particular, I remember being at confirmation, which is like a a certain process that you go through as being a young Anglican child, taking on the vows that godparents made for you at a christening, you take them on yourself. And I can still remember the minister sitting me down for a lesson one day and just said, well, why are you doing this? And the very first thing that popped into my head was, mum wants me to do it. Oh. And I just thought, thankfully, I just thought it. I didn't say it You <laughs> probably weren't the only one thinking it was, it. <laughs> was there, it was right there on the tip of my tongue, and I just thought, that's not the answer. That's not the right one. And um, it just, a whole bunch of things profoundly ticked over my brain. I just realised, oh, it's not, it's not a hereditary thing. It's not a... Oh, um, yeah the fact that I've just gone to church all my life and been in a family that goes to church and that sort of thing. I thought, there's something more to this than, the, than, than that. Mm-hmm. And so um, hence started my process of actually personalising my faith, actually realising that it was about walking with Jesus and being personally following him, obeying him um, and understanding that. Probably there was a whole bunch of things over the next probably five or six years, I was in my mid-teens about then, that I still needed to work out and change in my lifestyle. Um, and so the, probably the, ne- the next big things that happened were once I got to, I went to university and there, again, had a great blessing of being part of a, a very big Christian university group um, that had lots of great Bible teaching and lots, of, lots and lots and lots of peers that were actually living out their faith as well. Um, And that was also the thing that started deepening my faith and also leading me on a path towards um, full-time ministry.
1: Right. And so if you're leading yourself on a path to full-time ministry, how did that really manifest for you? Did you, were you you like drawing like, oh crap, I've got to know know (laughs) much more about the Bible if I'm going to lead people? Or what was the real catalyst for that?
0: Um, I think part, part of it was just the um, the university scene um, was quite exciting. Um, uh, lots of people there, uh, lots of Christians, um, a heady environment, in some ways literally heady, and like, you've got to think a lot. Yep. Um, lots of ideas being thrown around, lots of discussions. Uh, we are young and had heaps of time no responsibility, and um, just a great time to just to let that whole element of your Christian faith grow and mature. We were seeing people become Christians, um, so it was a very evangelistic time, so it was just very, very exciting. Alongside of that, there was some great, I was able to receive great Bible teaching that was really inspiring, um, and come to understand how... Moving and challenging the Bible is, and um, the call that God has over my life, and so I was, I was sort of not so much panicking about. Oh, I, I need to know more. It was more just. It was just the excitement of it all, um, and and seeing people as well, not too far ahead of where I was in my life stage, um, taking the step to be to do ministry training. So there was a um, a group called the Ministry Training. Strategy, um, that was just starting up then, and uh, we were seeing guys that were only like three and four years ahead of where we were had taken the step to leave their professions and and do um, Christian ministry and then go to Bible college, and so I think that environment of watching people only a few stages ahead, I think they're not that different to me. Um, they're also moved by the gospel, um, and so I just thought that 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 was that's what offered the opportunity for me to step further and further towards Christian ministry. And so that's what probably in my early 20s um, make that decision to go to Bible college.
1: What university were you at, sorry?
0: I was at the New South Wales University. Okay, cool. So campus Bible study. And um, there was a a very big team of um, very good Bible teachers there that were... um, challenging us constantly
1: yeah that's um, cool it's great and so did you end up you went to more college is that right the anglican training yep college
0: yep so after i did two years of ministry apprenticeship um at the university of new south wales um uh, uh i got married during that time very nice Lindle, Your wife, and uh and then we went to more college okay yep
1: yeah cool and so um where did you you obviously graduated (laughs) from more college eventually yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) what uh led you because i know like you have uh, you've been to russia for example yeah what led you to all those kind of things whether was there a particular thing as well
0: yeah uh, i think uh, um we were moving around sydney um through that period of um, ministry training and so we were initially in the eastern suburbs near the university new south wales after that, we moved out into the western suburbs, um, at past Parramatta. Um, during that time, we got involved with a couple of cross-cultural Bible, Bible ministries, um, which were very exciting. Um, not only that, we were involved in certain pro- times, uh, involved with um, sort of a l- number of ethnic ministries. We um, were uh, involved with a, an urban mission that was at Liverpool, and it was very, very exciting to watch how open other cultures were to the gospel, in many ways more open to the gospel than Anglo cultures. So that sort of started to twig some heartstrings um, for cross-cultural ministry. Um, And so it was at Bible College where we kept encouraging that, we kept just praying for missionaries, um, and then we started to see that potentially we could do that. Um, I mean, Lyndall was very keen to do that as well so um uh, we'll of one
1: mind in that regard and oh, that's good <laughs> yeah let yeah, right.
0: just go hey let's go yeah. yeah yeah in fact she was the one that was keener to go um okay. she'd actually had doubled with languages um uh, Rus- uh german was one of the languages he did but she also did some G- russian language okay. at university and that's where our vision started turning towards eastern europe and then um opportunities to go with the church missionary societies who we went with they were able to send us to a place uh, in Russia for a period of time.
1: Now was that, can you remind me of the city? Sorry, is it Kazan? The city's
0: called Kazan, yep. yes, about 800 kilometres east of Moscow.
1: Right, because yeah. the only way I remember um, cities in European in lots of European countries, is through football teams. Yep. <laughs> so I've, I've heard of Ruben Kazan. As that's the team. right. They as won they?
0: the Russian competition and yeah. got into the Champions League a yeah. couple of times. After um, they got,
1: um, there was a lot of oil-rich money coming into the club. I believe is that right? That's
0: right. Yeah. Um. Uh, as there are many sporting teams that are basically owned by a lot of um uh, very rich people that. Um,
1: after the Soviet Union was split up, That's right, a lot of oil. That's right. Questionable
0: origins as to where all that wealth <laughs> came from. Yep. Um, but um, a few of the sporting teams in Kazan were owned by particularly wealthy guys and so actually got quite good players. Yes. So we actually, at sur- some points, had, had the best hockey, ice hockey team, oh. best oh. soccer team and best basketball team. Because uh-huh. um, okay. they were throwing some serious money at and getting a lot of international players to come and yeah. join the teams.
1: Yeah, I remember Samuel Eto, I think, played for Ruben Kazan. I, th- I might yeah. get that right. Re- the Cameroonian star. Anyway, right. We'll yeah. move on. We'll move on from <laughs> football. Sorry, but they also hosted
0: Australia in the last World Cup.
1: Yes, um, they uh, did. In, yeah, yeah. In, um, yeah, that's yeah. right.
0: So it was a, a city, a city that um, had a fair bit of pride um, to invest in its infrastructure, which was good because not every city was like that.
1: Yeah, because I was going to ask you, what was it like being in Russia? Mm.
0: Um, well, the 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 best thing about it was actually joining other brothers and sisters in Christ. Amazing to be actually to see that God. Um, Jesus is building his church all throughout the world, and that within days um, we had no prior contact to that country or that place. Yet within days we'd connected with some local church, the local church family, and always felt welcome and at home there. And it was just amazing to be part of that and then to be part of that group that continued to grow and be part of um, seeing a church grow in, the, in, in, that, in that town. And so it was just just amazing that that was that was the biggest blessing to actually see that um, the gospel does indeed cross cultures and um, and so to be to see that and be part of it was just an incredible privilege.
1: How long were you there for? in Total, well, there for
0: about seven years wow. um, there, and then probably over a ten year period in and out through that that period. Yep, um, coming back for times of you know. Fundraising back here in Australia, and then um, and children being born, things like this. Um, so um, that was a, an interesting process as well. Yeah, so, of course.
1: Yeah. And my final question for you, for your personal history is: How did you, with Jaya, for example, he's often been part of Sorrow Revival on and off for quite a while. Mm. How did you come to Sorrow Revival Church, and why did God God lead you here?
0: Yeah, well, um, um, when we came back from Russia, uh, we moved into the arncliffe rockdale area and were involved with the ministry in arncliffe um, uh then i went back and worked with the church missionary society for a little bit of time um, and it was actually we we're renting a uh, church property house uh, in rockdale and they were starting to think about they might needed to sell that property and our kids are in a stage of life at that stage of transition moving from primary school to high school and uh, our daughter knew some people at Kirawee High. And so thought she thought, well, I'd like to maybe join them. And we were, it, was, it was just an open map for us. Where, where do we want to, where, right. where do we need, we sort of needed to move. Where would we move? And um, we were transitioning out of our church as well. And so we moved into Kirawee, um just down the road, to actually be in the catchment zone <laughs> for the high school. Because yep. that was a bit tricky. If you weren't in the catchment zone, it was very hard to get to the school. So we moved into that catchment zone, and um, we heard about this church. Uh, we wandered up the street, quite literally walked five minutes up the road, and came in. I think it was two thousand and fourteen. Yeah. So yeah, I think that only you've only been here for a couple of weeks in the factory. I think that's right. A yeah, a couple of months or so. Mm. Um,
1: I suppose we talked about we're talking about the next stages of Saw Revival Church. Um. But I thought maybe in terms of one question, is it a little bit different for you, Jai? You've, you've both experienced, sorry, both you and Paul have both experienced um, the differences between intergenerational ministry and perhaps a different style. Usually we like to term that the homogeneous unit principle. I'm just wondering what you guys think of that, because often our listeners will hear about what Stu obviously thinks about that. But I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on feedback. So Joy, do you want to hit us yeah, with that yeah. first? We'll go with Paul first. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind, but I just thought...
2: I went first last time. All right. Um, sharing ahead, in as well. I mean,
0: I guess in um, talking generally about that principle, I mean, it's been in discussion a bit recently. Um, we can see how people... Uh, my understanding of the, of the of the principle was it was o- observational, that people just observe that people tend to connect with people who they feel they are like. Um, that is that they look like, that they sound like, um, that they have similar interests. Um, that seems to be fairly common across all sorts of experiences of life. But of course in ministry, um, it's not, that's not necessarily the case. Um, and certainly our missionary background, um, challenges this very strongly because we actually are seeking to cross cultures for the sake of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so have to work against that and actually see that I, I'm working out in the church anyway um, through history, that it, it crosses cultures and language barriers, cultural barriers, socioeconomic barriers, um, age barriers, so all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, I, I think generally speaking, it's, it's a fairly typical way in which people tend to coalesce and group together, in like groups but i think the gospel actually challenges us to break down that and ch- and, s- and smash those sorts of um um thoughts that, like yeah just that that sort of pr- pr- practice which is um to be always comfortable and with my own people um, yeah. it, ch- it says t- tells us to take the gospel out and often to people that are different to us
1: mm. yeah But would it surprise you that I agree with you? (laughs) (laughs) Because, yes, we are part of this church. Uh, Joy, would would you have any thoughts on that too?
0: Uh, Yeah, a
2: couple of thoughts. I guess uh, in Nara we experienced people um, that were quite different to us. Um, And as Paul said, everybody needs to hear the gospel, Mm. uh, no matter who they are, what background they come from. Uh, And so being open to all backgrounds, all cultures, all people is very biblical and and what we're on about. Uh, And in terms too of I guess, um, uh, you know, I've got kids that are growing up, uh, teenagers and and primary age kid. Uh, The fact that having having a church family that is so multi-generational, who have experienced life and are able to share their experiences with kids, uh, you know, teenagers with kids, adults with kids, grandparents, all those sorts of things. Uh, is, is so, such a uh, awesome expression of the biblical reality of the church that we see through Acts and throughout the Bible, um, of doing life together, learning together, instead of people turning to things like YouTube and whatever else to get their cues on, on life and social things and how to grow up and what to be as they grow up. Um, and so just ha- being able to see young and old and everyone in between mixing in together, and sharing and doing life together instead of pushing each other to the side, saying, oh, you're too young, you're too old, or you're not like me, all those sorts of things. Just everybody coming together and actually having an impact on each other. I remember reading uh, an article uh, with stats about uh, teenagers, uh, kids as they transition into high school, looking for, they go looking for mentors without actually realizing that's what they're doing. And as parents, we can be intentional by actually matching up our kids with older people, older teenagers, you know, young adults, so that there is good influence there. But unless we're intentional about it, then they end up looking for start people, and who knows where it ends up. And the great thing about, I guess, doing intergenerational church is that we already have that here. You don't have to go looking for them because we set up church to be just that. Mm. So. Um, Yeah, so a couple of
1: things, there. Yeah, I was reflecting on something like that with my wife. I remember reading a a different article that talked about how uh, I have children younger than you, of course, Mm but um, if children that are able to spend a lot of time with their grandparents end up being a lot more well-rounded and... um, highly influenced by them because they have that mentoring aspect Mm. but i think Mm. if we are having that in an intergenerational church we have that on a constant basis as well i think i think that's something that i didn't grow up with and i'm Mm. really really thankful that my children are growing up into that um, situation where we we've i mean we've talked about previously on episodes with Stu about how we don't really see the children just as the future of the church they're 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 part of our church right now so if we're starting that from that very beginning i think that's a really important thing to help them be growing up first of all in a christian community but then also into a community where it is many many ages and one of my favorite things that we always talk about is um jesus death on the cross doesn't just reconcile us with god it reconciles us to each other mm. and i think that expressing that in an intergenerational way really really it's a helpful way for our children to see that reality that um, jesus has done that for us with god and also, for also with each other one
2: hundred percent. I just heard a story today I didn't even realize happened on the weekend that my younger son Nate was uh, down at Yarrawarra helping started helping set up sound gear with uh, with Cuz down there, and they ended up having this great conversation and talked about sound gear and microphones and music and all sorts of things as they were doing it. And I didn't even know this had happened. Yeah, right. It's just you know fantastic just that you know Cuz is my age and uh, you know Nate's ten, and here's these two two guys you know. Doing something together mm. but also, mm.
1: and, also to know each other. and where else would that happen but also under like under under God as well. I totally. think that's that's what that's what we love about yeah, it. Yeah, um, I'm glad that you brought up Yarawara because now again, let's get back into the history of Soul Revival Church. Um, we talked last episode about Wool Aware. Mm-hmm. We, you were a very integral part of starting that uh, gathering. Our first gathering that was off site away from our main Kirowee campus, where well, the factory, where we are right now. Um, can you tell us, uh, we, we end up coming up with the next stage of the growth of soil Revival, the changes of soil Revival, that we came up with this ambitious goal of planting two gatherings almost at the same time. Yep. And both you and Paul were in, um, part of those meetings and decisions to do that. Can you tell us how we got to that point before we actually decided to plant those gatherings?
2: yeah uh it's actually karen's our training pastor and i were at some some church planning thing and we came back and said hey we should do two (laughs) in one go give it a go you know we're experimenting what you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work oh well at least we gave it a go it's kind of our attitude to a lot of stuff which is really uh relaxing and refreshing
1: we like to experiment oh we do Mm. we do
2: and um we're not you know not afraid if things don't work out or to tweak things uh and so yeah karen and i came back and said oh we think we can do it. And Stu being as awesome as he is they said, okay, let's give it a go. Yeah. And so this is kind of how it came about is, we just said, you know, let's try this experiment of doing two. We've done one. Let's see if we can do two. If we can't, well, we'll see what we can learn.
1: Paul when Wenjoy and Karen came back with that idea. Did you think they were crazy?
0: Um, I think there was certainly a lot of enthusiasm. And, and optimism of saying, well, let's 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 go. Woolaware was um, up and going and yeah. rolling and, and and looking strong. And so um, I think we'll just generally there was a, a, a positive vibe about, hey, let's let's see if we can do it again. See if we can do and it. there was two, two specific places I think where mm-hmm. why we also were there just to, to pull us along. Yarrawarra was a particular, you know, a, a space. Suburb that we were keen to sort of do something there. If I understand correctly, yep. Um, I wasn't on staff at the time. Um, uh, we'd had good conversations with the local Anglican church that was within that parish, and so they were quite encouraging and mm. um, um, told us to go for it. Yep. Um, and the other time, which was the Sunday afternoon here at Kirui, again there was a there was a bit of a growing uh, enthusiasm to make it have a presence at that time over the weekend Mm. so I think that that Yarrawarra and the Sunday afternoon were sort of uh, sort of good options that were out there yeah 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 we didn't come running and go oh we should do in Timbuktu
2: and where else yeah Yeah, there was good reasons why we excited about those two and wanted to give those two a go
1: so if let's focus on Yarrawarra for a second if there were good reasons what were those reasons
2: Um, Well, we talk a lot about uh, Hub and Spoke. I know Stu talks about that. And Yarrawarra is about that 20-minute window. that We talk about 20 minutes outside of uh, our main campus here. Uh, And so that fitted in there. There's no church in Yarrawarra uh, or Loftus in in terms of Anglian churches. Um, And we had a few people who lived out that way. And we thought, yeah, it it would be a good opportunity to, to reach out, help reach out uh, into that sort of Inrid Yarrawarra, Warrenora Warrenora Heights all that sort of space because the uh, areas of the
1: Solon Shire if anyone's yes yeah, not, not part of the Shire yep. yes
2: yeah, that way uh, and uh, and as Paul said uh, James at uh, Ingadine Anglican was really for it too because such a large area and he was very keen for more churches to be there to, to reach out to more people
1: it's very similar to um, as we were speaking about all aware last episode. Um, we went and spoke to the Anglican minister there, and he was very encouraging too. So we're really thankful for those guys yeah. um, being encouraging to actually do that. Well,
2: James actually came and uh, announced it for us at uh, one of our um, planning days. Oh, did he? He came and, and announced that we were going to launch into Yarrawarra. So that was, you know, that was another beautiful thing about that friendship. Mm,
1: being part of the ecosystem of churches that yeah. jo- uh, Stu likes to talk about. Yes. All right, let's. If you can give us. How did we start Yarrawarra? So we greenhouse as that usual process that we, we did? Yeah,
2: so we, th- then we were still using the greenhouse terminology. So we greenhoused, I think, end of 2018, both of them at the same time. Mm. Okay. Um, and cause we, we were thinking we would do bits and pieces together and split up, uh, if I remember rightly. Um, is that, that correct,
1: Paul? Is, right? is that right? Can you That's confirm? A
0: bit of fact-checking. We may have had maybe maybe one together gathering yeah, yeah. but i remember we were pretty much separate we um, might
2: have done the first three together maybe may, may have yeah and then we split up because we had we did them in four and so yeah well maybe it was the first one I don't, we did we did do some together and then we split up mm-hmm. uh because it'd be obviously there was different things we needed to focus on as we mm. moved along the process you know being here uh meant that you know there was already equipment here and you didn't need to transport stuff being at yarrawarra meant we needed to transport things and so a little different things we needed to work on but yeah end of 2018 we started the greenhouse process for both of those two things
1: and part of that um process i'm guessing was um paul confirmed confirmed for me again if you can is looking at our theology strategy in practice which are the main ways that we like to look at how we're actually going to um plant a gathering so obviously our theology stays the same as jesus changes everything um our strategy is uh, sharing the love of jesus person-to-person, uh, generation-to-generation, culture-to-culture, place-to-place. Yep. There we go, we've got them all. Well um, but I would assume that um, with Yarrawara and uh, Saturday, sun- sorry, Sunday afternoon, the practice would differ a little bit. I know that we always wanted to keep an all-age, all-stage gathering. But I thought maybe you guys can um, kind of run them side-by-side side and tell them how they differed and how they were the same. Mm-hmm. Would that be something that you'd be able to run us through? So yeah. Paul, on Sunday afternoon. We,
0: yeah, Sunday afternoon had, had a few advantages. I think actually yes. we probably, by the time we were probably quicker through the greenhouse mm-hmm. stage than Yarrawarra, um, simply because we had the infrastructure already in place. And so we,
1: we were already well, we already had three gatherings at Kirawee before yep. prior to yeah, that. Yeah, yes. and we had a venue, and we yep. had, a, had a venue. Yes. so basically
0: yep. we could we met cool. here in the factory. Um, um, meals we were just doing an evening meal um and so it was all here ready to kitchens all here ready to go uh and we just had to simply divvy up all their responsibilities amongst the launch team um the core team uh and we had a few more we had our numbers were a bit bigger too Mm. Yarrawarra was quite a lean beginning Um, another experiment that's right (laughs) um we were uh not so brave and so we had a few, we had a few more people on team here, uh, and so I think that's what helped us to get through the the, the uh, greenhouse process a bit quicker. Yeah. And I think we started having public gatherings. I think probably about February um, of two thousand nineteen. Um, again, because and we had a lot of things in place, um, and yeah, so that sort of got up and rolling. We had a couple of families come and join us, so we had a bit of a kids program happening right from the get-go um so there's yeah there's they'll they'll they advantages for us to, to get that uh, uh, not well, i wouldn't say we had a critical mass from the outset but there was a, there was at least a momentum that, that helped us to roll
1: forward um, and you're saying Joy, that probably wasn't the same for our Water in the beginning
2: yeah we uh we needed to find a venue yes um which took a little bit of time uh and then working out how we use that venue uh, those sorts of things so it just took a, li- yeah, a little bit longer for us to get up and running and I think you might have started with 12 or 14 or something yep, like that that's great uh, Yarrawarra we started with 8 uh, which is the smallest attempt so far I think um, yes I think so and so uh, you know it was, again it was an experiment to see how few people we could have uh, on team to get something going mm-hmm. and um, yeah so it took a little bit longer but we, I guess the in terms of the the similarities and differences uh, you know time of day was probably the big one mm. so you would do dinner we would do we start off doing breakfast kind of similar to what we do Sunday morning here.
1: Because it was going to be a Sunday morning wasn't so, yeah, it? So mm.
2: Yeah so it still is and so it was Sunday morning we'd do breakfast before church um, where you guys would do dinner yep. afterwards Yep. Um, and, and and we were in a school hall and that's where we ended up Yes. Uh, Very similar to Woolaware. Yeah. So we thought. Yeah, we're doing it at Woolaware. We'll give it a go at Yarrawarra, and so we met at Yarrawarra Public School. Uh, so you know, school hall, school grounds, bit different to a factory in Kirawe. Um and so the, you know, there's little nuances there that you need to 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 do things slightly different. So we had the instead of having a a, um, a kitchen with a coffee machine like we do here, we took the caravan like we do, did at uh, Willoware, we took that down to do tea and coffee, got a barbecue, all those things, so we could do breakfast and, and those sorts of things.
1: I think um, something that we seem to have learned doing the episode on Willoware was that, mm-hmm. speaking about being an experiment, um, I wonder if many people who want to plant a church see it as an experiment. I don't know if I mean you've obviously planted gatherings yourself. Would you agree with that or not?
2: Um, I think I think the way that we are doing it because if if we if we did Yarrawarra and it didn't work, we would come back.
1: Which to, is the the value of the hub and spoke. Yeah, so well, it was it
2: was building a bridge, and we didn't burn the bridges. Um, where I think a lot of church plants, they there's quite a, a need to make it viable
1: self-sustaining we were talking about that last last
2: time um because sometimes uh whoever the pastor is you know they might be relying on that actually you know the home church might be uh, able to contribute for a certain period of time and then to get it going so it takes on uh the pastor you know that can mean that things have got to work a bit quicker and a little bit more stressful and experimenting is kind of not something you can do straight away uh that might be a possibility um yeah yeah, it depends on the type of model maybe that that you're using to church plant i don't don't know what you reckon paul
0: yeah well yeah the churches that we've been part of in in the past that we sort of started were again it was it's it's when uh they weren't really conscious decisions to plant a church it was like um almost like a bunch of opportunities coalesced before us and we sort of jumped on a bit of a train that was seemed to be rolling and got involved um and and in some ways um the ministry of soul revival is rolling along with quite a strong core now and so maybe you know for the sake of calling things experiments or the other plants they're not they're not um outlandish experiments they're actually building upon Mm. a core that's already rolling along
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: I like um, I like the, the the language that we use about being an experiment, um, building a bridge to a new reality. The Hub and Smoke model allows for that. Mm. Um, one of the things that we were discussing last week in our Woolaware episode was there were some things that were going well, and we we and some other things that didn't go so well. And the things that we learned from some of the I mean, the only way you can learn if something works or not is by actually doing it. Yeah. Um, and we, we started coming up with uh, quite a few reasons about why some things weren't working. And it actually ended up sounding like Woolaware had actually was not continuing, which isn't true, <laughs> as, as you can attest, yeah, yeah. Joy. Um, so I was just wondering, having done what we would like to call an experiment in planting these two gatherings, mm. what did we learn from it? Did we think that possibly planting with eight people was too few for Yarrawarra, um, I know that, for example, in the we learnt that um, we saw we worked out that the school wasn't really working well for how we wanted to do church because it really, in its effect, was a second place rather than a third place. Mm. If we're talking about Oldenburg's theory, yeah. What okay, we'll go we start with Paul first. Um, what 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 did we learn by planting Sunday afternoon?
0: Well, um, once once we did get ourselves up and, and rolling again with the benefit of having a um a a place to meet um all the infrastructure for meals and um and gathering in place uh we were able to sort of get um, a momentum fairly quickly uh the the uh scenario of actually having the door open more times throughout the weekend that that was one of the things that we're really looking forward to actually being able to do have the factory open um for a lot for another chunk of the weekend yep um, resulted in a lot of people coming coming to the door, so um, we did have a number of people come and visit, mm. and actually enter the broader fellowship of soul revival through Sunday afternoon okay. um, as their first um, stepping in point. Mm. Um, and so we, we I, I sort of lost count how many people how many people that that was the case for. Um, so we have noticed that that was the case. However, there was broadly some two different types of people some people might come and go we oh we like the smaller gathering and we want it to remain small and we like the intimate um experience um then but there were probably more that actually came through had a look thought that's great and then they dived off into one of our other bigger that's gatherings. interesting isn't it? um so that's what, that's what we noticed over the year mm. um so th- So, wonderful to see new people joining our fellowship, um, um, staying with us or moving on to different gatherings was um, irrelevant. Um, Really, we were just happy for people to join join our fellowship. Um, uh, As the year wore on, though, we were still a small, small core team. And so, even though we might have been um, all of 12, (laughs) uh, a lot more than what there might have been for eight, we were still lean. Uh, in that regard and so i think as the year did wear on um uh, we realized that we were actually under a, a fair bit of um strain um just the effort for that for that meeting to run everyone were we were also all quite keenly involved in another gathering as well um over the weekend so uh people were backing up and doubling up to sort of come so that was that was a bit dumb draining as well um and then as the year drew to a close, um, we some of our key core members were actually um, people that were going to move on to different ministries altogether. So um, uh, Dan Gale was, was with us um, uh, at the end of 2019, was an interesting time for them as they had premature babies be born yeah. and so he was um, very preoccupied with that and then moved on to another ministry um, in his ongoing formation as an Anglican minister yep. and so um, that was a he, he was a, a real linchpin for a lot of the mm-hmm. um, arts arts element of, of our service team on a Sunday night mm-hmm. not only that we had um, Grace and Michelle Huang um, were part of our um, fellowship on a Sunday night uh, who uh, into 2020 uh, had moved across to start the West Ride Gathering well so and and weren't physically in our area anymore so um there were two big losses um three big losses three big people that were quite um key integral to our running of the of the ministry not only that as we rolled on we also realized that we had some people that, um some families that were sort of keen for that time slot but they were also keen for another time slot and so it was, um, we realised that we had a bit of a divided group. Sometimes they were keen to be involved on, on, on a Sunday afternoon, but then they might need to be involved somewhere else. So um, our core team started to, 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 to um, um, reduce very quickly. Um, that coupled with the fact that we were getting a bit tighter by having to do a lot of the work quite regularly. Um, and then COVID hit in early 2020. Um, coinciding with that summer period where we were, sort of in, gone in, down, we were sort of gone into a recess mode, um, which was like a low-key, um, almost like Bible study um, format over the summer. And so then as we got to, the, uh, I think it was February, March, when COVID fully kicked in and we had to sort of stop our gatherings, we started thinking that maybe we might have to put the, the Sunday afternoon... Um, gathering on a hiatus a period where we might just put it on hold for a while um allow the team the core team were all quite heavily involved with other gatherings let them redouble their efforts in other gatherings um and then we'll see how things go on but that's that's sort of what happened that there, there, there were great blessings i guess seeing people could join our fellowship but then there was also hardships to think we were doing a lot of the work um with a small team and then we we started having certain team members move on quite naturally to other ministries in some ways we want to see people go and and send them out into other ministries as well and so with that absolute blessing we we we, grace and michelle and dan we want to see them um go off and um bless other ministries as well
1: yeah i think that was a fantastic summary of um (laughs) what happened at, at sunday afternoon um i noticed that one of the things that. We keep coming up against the things that we're learning in these experiments and building a bridge to new reality is the service teams and how important they are to have as much as we can. The ten service teams that we've established to be um, serving at those gatherings each time. Joy, um, I know that you've been a part of that. Those get ga- uh, uh, those gatherings and learning about those things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Did that happen at Yarrawarra as well? Because I mean, the the team was obviously smaller than even the Paul's team on Sunday afternoon. So you started yeah. with eight at Yarrawarra.
2: Yeah, yeah. We um, we were still definitely in that that phase of thinking that we just needed to get uh, four of our ten service teams up and running, and yep. that was all that we w- we needed to to get going. Um, and that's I guess through Sunday Arvo and Yarrawarra. That's when we started to realise that we'd probably need to have all ten. Uh, represented at each of our gatherings um and so you know with eight people that you know my maths is not particularly great but that you know eight and ten not exactly work out so well and you know we had yeah our team of eight were really solid and excited and we even had uh one of uh, one of our team members actually learned to play the guitar so that they could lead us in song uh which was you know an amazing blessing and very very cool um but yeah, with with eight people, it's a lot of work to do to set up and pack up and all those things, and uh, and in a school hall too. It was actually uh, it was actually Yarrawarra that helped us realise that the school hall isn't the best place to be, because when we came out of COVID, we had that opportunity to think about somewhere else to meet for Yarrawarra, and we decided that we would try the community hall at Yarrawarra, and it made such a big difference straight away, and it was that point we were like, ah, oh, okay. These questions we've been having, we've got an answer. And so, yeah, this, this kind of started that, or really solidified the, the, the thinking that we had around, around that.
1: Mm, no, that's really cool. So maybe my last question for both of you, you guys is uh, the future. That's how we finished when we're talking about Aware. Joy, you want to start first? What's the future of role? You said you've now moved to the community hall, and it's working. It seems to be working a lot better. Yep. Um, it's n- not as much of a second place as the school. Um, in Oldenburg's theory, he says that people don't go to a second place to have party and community. That's where they go to work or school or anything like that. Yeah. Um, is the community hall. Community hall, a third place, and can you have a party there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's it's. You hire it out for parties really so it's one of those things uh and we've got to like our team at yarrowarra is absolutely amazing they're phenomenal they blow me away every week just how tireless they are and how much effort they put in to make this community hall even though it still looks like a community hall the way that the people are buzzing around and enjoying being there it doesn't feel like it and having the caravan there with an umbrella and stools and barbecues going it feels more like a an outdoor cafe almost and so for us uh, down there, being able to create that cafe feel for that third space has been really important. We've had a number of people pop in and grab a coffee. Uh, and so what we want to work on is, is continuing to make those contacts, get to know our community and, uh, and help them feel comfortable to come, not just to, maybe to stay longer as they have a coffee, then maybe even pop their head in and check out what church is like and, and those sorts of things. So moving forward, that's definitely an area where we'll uh, want to explore and think through. Um, you know, our caravan's fantastic for that. gives us that coffee van vibe really well. And as I said, our team down there is absolutely phenomenal. I can't... I can't it's the same with woolaware and, and Kiriwi and, you know, all of our gatherings. We've got such amazing, uh, gifted and talented teams uh, doing ministry with us. It's it's absolute true absolute blessing
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's cool um paul uh we said the sunday afternoons on hiatus Hmm. um hasn't really come back from hiatus at this point in time what uh what would be the key thing that you would like to you would say after running that experiment
0: well um uh i guess the hope would be that we would again have it open doors um for as much as as much as the weekend as we can um uh, here in this, in this location uh, at Kirawee. Uh there's, there's great opportunities. The opportunities are still before us, like hundreds, thousands of people that are moving into the, into the quite literally, onto our doorstep. Yes. Um, and so um, I guess we do have a dream to sort of see a um, presence again in the, in the afternoon, uh, but we may want to think more carefully about how we build a core team. Uh, and make sure that's a team that um, will be able to keep rolling forward. Um, uh, it, m- it might mean that we need a, a bigger critical mass of, of, of people to start with. Um, as we're now, again, we're still re- putting a big effort into that, into the woollaware mm-hmm. and Yarrawarra situation as well. So, um, again, we may be, it might be a bridge too far just to, uh, in the immediate future um, to have another gathering start. Um, but certainly in the future, uh, if, if we continue to grow as we're seeing numbers grow, then um, it would be a, a great challenge to put before our our gatherings to say, let's uh, have a, another presence again on, on a Sunday afternoon in, in this venue. Mm. Um, so, yeah.
1: And I think that's a fantastic way to look at it. Um, we're talking about experiments a lot in this episode. And um, I think it's quite cool to see what god has taught us through those experiments and but he also gives us the freedom and um, if we trust in him he's going to show us what we actually need to be doing so um, uh, i think they'll probably wrap us up for this episode but um, i'm really thankful for you guys to join us thank you so much paul thank you so much joy it's been a really fun Thanks, um Tom. a pleasure <laughs> that's right it's been a really fun time to actually see some experiments that worked and some experiments that didn't. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for leading our church in those experiments and um, we really appreciate it. Um, Guys, uh, that will wrap us up for episode nine of season two. Um, My name is Joel, if you had forgotten. But also, um, if you do have any questions... Uh, or any uh, comments about anything that we've talked about in the last few seasons, um, please email me at joel at and we would love to be able to, to give you some feedback and let you know um, how, how we want to actually answer your question. Um, but for the moment, we will leave it there. Thanks again to these guys. Thanks very much for listening and or watching. And as always, we like to finish with a one-way. Thanks.